I want to go back to work. I don't want a wall. We're with you, Terry Owens. I don't want a wall. I am the sole income supporter for my family. The mortgage company won't work with me. I may lose my home, and the thought of having to stand in line for food is embarrassing. No wall, no shutdown. And those were the sounds of some of the furloughed workers in Washington, D.C., protesting the ongoing shutdown, which is now entering its fourth week, record-setting territory. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Doug Sword, who covers fiscal policy and tax issues for CQ. Thanks for being here, Doug. Uh, Thanks for having me, budget tracker. On a snowy Washington Monday. Here we are at the fourth week of the shutdown, breaking all records, longest in modern history. And we are now starting to feel some of the effects of it, as you heard some of the protesters now who had to start going without a paycheck. Right. Uh, The Friday checks did not go out for all the, an estimated 800,000 federal workers. What do we know, Doug, is the state of play here on the shutdown now, the things are being affected and the things that are not being affected? Well, uh, generally speaking, the, the the economy is being affected. It's um, uh, there's estimates out there that there's a uh, it's going to take a 0.1 percent hit to growth because of this shutdown, uh, which uh, translates into uh, you know probably something like 50 billion dollars. And the latest estimate on GDP growth for the first quarter is now in the low twos, so that's quite a bit off last year's three percent growth. And a small portion of that is because of the shutdown. Enough to make a hit, but. The shutdown doesn't always have all the effects people fear, and then all of a sudden the administration comes up with ways of reopening things that we thought would be closed. Right, right. It's sort of been a, you know, what shutdown uh, mentality in some things. Whenever something gets to be a very difficult situation, they seem to come up with a solution. Uh, uh, In late December, FEMA started selling flood insurance again because of concerns, even though that was specifically listed as something that would be shut down. Uh, and last week, the, uh, the IRS said that they would uh, uh, do refunds. They would call in a, a significant number of people to do refunds, which there's going to be $300 billion some odd dollars of refunds. Uh, so you can still get your tax refunds, even right. though the IRS is technically shut down, which right. makes no sense to me. But they're gonna br- uh, And they say they're going to bring in a significant number of people. They brought in apparently several hundred people last week to do income verification because the mortgage industry uh, couldn't get uh, uh, applicants' incomes verified. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, last week they also found a, uh, at least a temporary solution for the food stamp problem uh, that uh, uh, states will be able to apply for food stamps if they make their applications by tomorrow uh, and uh, get their February funding. Some things can still go on despite this, but it is, it, is, it is taking a hit on the economy and it's clearly hurting a good number of federal workers. Yes. So here we are at week four. There's all kinds of options here for ending the shutdown, none of which right now appear to be viable. Let's just tick through some of the ways this could play out, uh, even though none of these seem like <laughs> likely, <laughs> likely successes for the moment. Uh, first of all, we have this, this option that the president floated himself of declaring a national emergency. Right. But he's backed off of that. Yeah, he sort of sunk it a little this morning, floated it, then sunk it. So we don't think that's going to happen, but he could declare one and then tap uh, some unobligated military construction money or maybe right. some money from the Army Corps of Engineers yes. 
We know that last week on the Hill there was already these these lists of target cuts floating around of Army Corps projects that right. that that could be hit if if he were to exercise that option. Yeah, that's uh, Senator Charles Grassley came out very quickly and uh, said he didn't want to see an emergency uh, emergency declaration. And uh, it turns out that uh, you know Iowa's got nine figures worth of Army Corps of Engineer flood control projects uh, in the works. So he right. doesn't want to see that. And even down. as late as as Monday, Trump did seem to back off that saying he doesn't want to do that at least yet. Right, but I guess something else in play is that that he could he could raid some of the uh, asset forfeiture funds without that sort of backlash. Yeah, that's an interesting one that that uh, the House Freedom Caucus chairman Mark Meadows right. raised last week in a tweet, and Meadows is close to Trump. Right, as a hardcore conservative. Now it doesn't get him all the way there because there's only a couple billion dollars in those funds, but it gets him part of the way there. It would get them maybe part of the way there, possibly. We don't know the mechanics victory. of that or whether. Congress might still have to approve it if he doesn't declare an emergency. Uh, Meadows left right. a lot unclear there in what he was calling for, but he he seemed to think there was money there that could be tapped. These are the funds the Treasury Department and Justice Department run these asset forfeiture funds from criminal cases mostly. When mm-hmm. they seize assets, they collect revenues, right. and if it's not obligated, they could they, he could tap that money. Theoretically. And, and security tends to be some of the uses for these funds, and border security might be eligible for that. Okay. But, I mean, they're basically looking for any solution that doesn't involve talking to each other. Right. And speaking of which, Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, made a lot of headlines over the weekend. Yes. He has been trying to salvage an immigration deal for the longest time. Last week, he was trying to forge a bipartisan deal yet again yes. to tie border wall money with protection for the Dreamers, the people who were, came to the country illegally as children. Uh, didn't go anywhere. He gave up on it. Then he called for Trump to declare a national emergency. Then over the weekend, he had a change of heart. Before he pulls the plug on the legislative option, and I think we're almost there, I would urge him to open up the government for a short period of time, like three weeks, before he pulls the plug, see if we can get a deal. If we can at the end of three weeks, all bets are off. See if he can do it by himself through the emergency powers. Yeah, but as he was leaving the White House today, the president uh, pretty much nixed the uh, the Graham three-week deal. So he shot that down, too. There's another option that seems to be foreclosed of a temporary right. reopening of government. Well, and if you look at the polls, uh, I don't know if you saw the polls that, that came out over the weekend where uh, it appears uh, most Americans are blaming the president as opposed to uh, congressional Democrats for the shutdown. Right. And, yeah. uh, and also, there's uh, within those polls, uh, a majority of, uh, of people on, on each side of the issue uh, uh, were against a compromise. So perhaps both sides are being spurred on not to compromise. Both sides are dug in in this highly polarized environment, which makes it even tougher yes. now to think of a way out of this thing. Yeah, with more Democrats uh, uh, saying they're going to run for president every day. Right. Uh, and what other options? Now, another option is simply... The de- what the Democrats are pushing for, which is to pass spending bills to reopen the government without any right. border wall money. And we're going to see that again this week on the House floor, where they're going to take up probably at least two more bills, they said, to reopen parts of, of the government that are right. shuttered with no border wall money uh, on the grounds that 
Senate Republicans have passed these bills right. just last year, so they should be willing to do it again. Well, and it's got to hurt. I mean, Republicans are sticking with their president, but it, it's got to hurt because Democrats keep sending over the Senate version of bills. They're not sending over the House versions. They're saying right. Senate. Senate Republicans, you won. And, but if all the you have Senate to do versions are the more bipartisan version, thinking it's more palatable. But Republicans right. are pretty much holding firm and saying, "Yes, no, we're not ending the shutdown until we resolve the border wall crisis. That's been the position of the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. But we have seen some erosion in that Republican unity. And you saw it this weekend with Lindsey Graham saying, well, let's reopen it for three weeks not quite a permanent reopening, but let's right. let's try to relieve a little pressure. But that was a no-go from Trump. And you saw it last week with the meeting in McConnell's office with, what was that, half a dozen or so senators. Right. That's when they were trying to get a bipartisan immigration solution that would right. include the border wall. And they, they may be trying again, but it's hard to see who caves in this or wh- where, there's, where there's now a middle ground. Well, especially since Democrats got uh, dinged for supposedly caving last year on the shutdown with uh, the DACA issue. Right. Democrats did feel burned last year when they tried to uh, seek a deal that would include protection for the Dreamers so that they wouldn't be deported. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say Trump walked away from that and they they felt burned by that episode. And so they're, they may be less willing to reach a grand immigration compromise right at the moment when both sides are so dug in. And on top of that, you had the, um, the news over the weekend uh, that the New York Times reports on uh, Trump and Russia. And uh, I think Democrats don't want to get in the way of that story either. And they did just win the midterm elections in the House where yes. they won control of the House now and have a little more power. So there's less incentive for them really to compromise, uh, and it's 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 quite a dilemma. This is this is now the longest shutdown in modern history, going back to I think 1980, mm-hmm. uh, and it's hard to see a way out of this anytime soon. Yeah, this will be like a DiMaggio record, a record that would never be broken. And I think the former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who presided over the last major government shutdown in the 90s, predicted this this could go another month. He doesn't see a way out before mid-February. Right. And if this does go into another month, into February or longer, uh, you really could start hurting people. And and the the biggest example is probably in food stamps. It's going to cost, they need to come up with about $4.8 billion a month to pay the food stamp benefits. They found a solution for the month of February, right. but it's not clear where they're going to find one in March. Right. Uh, so that's a dilemma. We're talking about close to 40 million people who rely on, on food stamps for, for basic food assistance. And, and you, you, you have impacts that, that, that aren't as readily seen, such as uh, uh, Wall Street does not have all the data coming out of the Commerce Department. Uh, basically, all that government data that, that uh, the markets feed off of, a lot of it is not coming out now. History would suggest it never gets this dire. They find a way out of it, or they come up with an emergency solution so that very needed services are not sacrificed. But the longer this goes on, uh, right. clearly the tougher this is getting. So on that happy note, I think we're pretty much up to date on where we are in this shutdown that never seems to end. And the longer the shutdown goes on, by the way, uh, the more chance it has of delaying the upcoming appropriations process for fiscal 2020, which begins, believe it or not, this coming October. We haven't even gotten to yet. The president's budget request for fiscal 2020 is supposed to be coming out on February 4th. 
But now that could slip because they still haven't resolved this year's funding. And if you want to find out more about the fiscal 2020 budget and what it could mean for the country's fiscal health, check out our CQ policy briefing next month. It will be held at our parent company, Fiscal Notes Headquarters. That's 1201 Pennsylvania Avenue. It will be on February 12th at 8 a.m., bright and early. You can register for that through Eventbrite. My thanks again to Doug Sword, our finance and tax reporter. Thanks, thanks for being here, Doug, on this, despite you, the snowstorm. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, CQ Budget Newsletter Editor. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.